0: Hi everyone, my name is Matt, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Joining me today are my two co-hosts,
1: Tiffany.
2: Hey, it's Dan, and I'm not wearing pants.
0: Solid introduction. (laughs) Alright, so we are a couple of the Nonsensical Gamers, um, known for our blog, NonsensicalGamers.com, and the League of Nonsensical Gamers. So we wanted to kick this first podcast off with some introductions, um, just a little who we are and how we got into this crazy hobby of board gaming, uh, and I think we're going to start ladies first and pantsless last, so let's go ahead <laughs> and let Tiffany kick it off.
1: Oh, that seems fair. Okay, so how we got into gaming, I... I didn't really get into board games like I played a lot when I was a kid but just like the general standard stuff my grandma had some weird games from the 70s uh, that I played and then just nothing lots of like RPGs Final Fantasy until I got to college and then I discovered magic which was bad because I have a pretty like addictive personality so I got pretty heavy into that for a while and then realized it was too expensive and quit after that, I discovered board games. A friend of mine introduced me to Pandemic, and I really loved it because it was just so different from anything I had ever imagined. Being a co-op and all of that, so Pandemic, Dominion, and now I have 300 games.
2: Jeez, jeez.
1: <laughs> Actually, it's probably more than that. I was I was underselling. Wow. Probably closer to 100.
2: Most of those are probably. Hipster games that none of us have ever heard of.
1: I do like. But we can get like into that
2: later. <laughs> yeah. Talk
0: How many there? of them have English rule books?
1: <laughs> At least half.
0: Fair enough. Well, I mean, that sounds like a pretty standard opening into board games, just from talking to different people. And actually, my story is probably similar. I started what well, my dad taught me chess when I was like five, six, seven. Played a lot of like. Just different standard board games, Monopoly, Clue, Chinese Checkers, all that kind of stuff when I was littler. But board games were always around. I didn't realize that until I got into the mainstream or like the designer part of the hobby that um, board games have kind of been in my life forever um, or always. But it wasn't until we randomly picked up Sellers of Catan, the ultimate intro game and we played it, what, probably like 30 times in the first month we played it. We just kept playing it and playing it. Um, and it all kind of branched out from there. And Dan and I both have equally addictive personalities to you, Tiffany. Um, we don't have 300 games, but probably between the two of us, we've got a solid little collection. But yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I think I'm pushing 200 at the moment. I'm trying to log them all on BoardGameGeek, but...
0: I don't have I don't have that many I probably have but we recently put up some shelves and I probably have like fifty some of those include little micro games and stuff but games are games in my world so yeah but Dan how about you
2: um similar um because we have the same father and mother in fact if you <laughs> for those <couldn't> yes <laughs> <it>. and mother <laughs> for those of us listening um, or those of you listening uh, Matt and I are brothers. So, similar introduction to games, chess at an early age with my dad, your typical Hasbro kind of spread, life, Monopoly, all those games. My friend Chris, he and I were huge Hero Quest and what else, Fireball Island, any of those real old school kind of cult classic games. You can think of Omega Virus, all of those, we used to play those on a weekly basis and then you still
1: have any of those
2: yes we have them all
1: Nice. we have and for hero the
2: record quest. i do have the barbarian expansion for hero quest so <laughs> for anyone listening who knows Just how saying. awesome that is i was thrilled when i found it myself so <laughs> um but um i was a magic player and that's again something i actually wrote my dad into that and so he was kind of my sparring partner for that along with chris hopefully we can pull on a podcast here in the future Settles the Tan, sorry, as everyone probably um, has experienced was one of my first, I guess, real kind of designer board games that was in college almost 12, 13 years ago and since then I've played a number of CCGs, uh, Wild TCG, Spoils TCG um, just a whole bunch of things since then but my, my real kind of true obsession for this hobby started back up probably like 2010 um, after I had moved home from England and kind of got back into the swing of things here in the US. Yeah, so I've been, I've been collecting ever since. I've a long way to go to reach Tiffany, but I'll get her You'll eventually. See. It's yeah. not that long. <laughs> All of mine are in English rule books. <laughs>
0: Well, that's fair. Considering your Gen Con haul, it feels like you're getting closer and closer each convention.
1: How many games you end up buying, Dan? Um,
2: this year I bought, I think, between sixteen and twenty. I had to ship. Games. I was gonna say. I didn't have enough room in my luggage. Dan
0: in Indianapolis <laughs> had to find a post office to send games home to himself.
2: No, I didn't actually have to. It's a great service that they now provide, Matt. Oh, really? Uh, yes, actually. has a stand in the vendor hall. Well, right outside the vendor hall, where they'll box and ship everything for you right that there. That is genius. It's genius, but words of the wise, they do a horrible job of packing it. Um, <laughs> they put no peanuts, no newspaper, no anything in there to support my games from wobbling back and forth. Uh, my poor Abyss box took a little bit of a beating, but Um, you know, live and learn. Which one did you get? I I got the one with the blue. Uh, sad. Fish. That's
1: the one I got.
0: That's the coolest one. There's four other ones. The pink one is the best. I guess. But, anyway. So now that you know a little bit about who we are and how we got into gaming, we're gonna go ahead and transition into the heart of today's show. We're gonna look at some recent news, some of the cool kickstarter previews and releases that we've seen recently and then get into our topic today which is gen con and general Cant 2014 where myself tiffany and dan will all recap some of their favorites and least favorite things that they experienced during the con Is there anything that has interest you in the news recently? We're going to talk about Gen Con a little bit later, but anything you know, else going on? Yeah, I
1: was just I was just thinking about this, because um, since I got back from Gen Con, uh, I'm a teacher, and this is like the first week of school, so I haven't yep. really gotten back into the swing of board game news, but I was checking out Nations the Dice Game last night. Ooh. I didn't know such a thing existed, but...
2: That seems to be weird. the trend now, if you're a designer... You know, you make your board game, and then you come up with a dice game for it afterwards. It just seems like these big games, the Roll Through the Ages and the Nations yeah. Dice Game and, you know, just things like that. It seems like there's a dice game for these long, extended Civ games now. And it's kind of cool, because most of the time, I don't have time to sit down and play these long, extended Civ games. So,
1: Well, that's exactly it. I was, like, looking at... I like the idea of Nations, but I know I'll never sit down and play a game that long. And this is supposed to take 10 to 15 minutes per player. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, hilarious. yeah.
0: Do you know how it works at all? I have no idea. I saw it, but I, I didn't look into the mechanics at all.
1: I don't know. Um, You you pick from some actions. You can buy tiles, build a wonder, and like use your dice for things. It's kind of like your stand. It sounds like a standard kind (laughs) of dice game. I don't know. I looked at the rule book, but it was like three in the morning. So fair enough.
2: Fair enough. Well, that's fair. I know Asmodee had some, uh, or Asmodi. I don't know how you pronounce it really. To be honest with you, Um, I know they had it on um, out for demo to I think a select few. It's Asmode. Yeah, it's definitely Asmode. Like, yeah. That sounds French. I mean, that sounds about right. So, but I hear a lot of people say Asmode.
0: If you eat a spoonful of peanut butter and say Asmode, it sounds just like how they say it in France.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Followed by a ha or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So it's interesting. It just seems like dice games are all the all the rage now. There's a lot of games at Gen Con, too that were like dice-based mechanics as well, um, but we can get into that later.
0: Yeah. Anything on your mind, Dan, in terms of news, anything cool you've seen?
2: No, other than just Fantasy Flight blowing minds, as always. Oh, well, um, I have
0: some words to say about Fantasy Flight.
2: Well, I'll, I'll say a you, but it was just, <laughs> it was you know, as most of you guys know, Fantasy Flight is always hush-hush up until Gen Con. They never release any of their uh, information too soon. Um, because they like to, I think they have founded the hashtag Mindblown. I think they've trademarked it probably as well as their LCG. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, just the announcement of the Imperial uh, Salt, which is a, a reskin of Descent, which Matt and I had this conversation the other day, I am thoroughly interested in, merely because I think it's so cool to take that dungeon crawl aspect of things and take it out of the fantasy realm. And put it into something, you know, space themed. I think that'll be really cool. Not to mention, it comes with ATATs and you know a number of other kind of recognizable troops, etc. From the models do Star look Wars. excellent. They look really good.
1: I Maybe think I, I tweeted need to a picture. But does not crawl in space? Doesn't I don't know. That doesn't grab. Well, me.
2: that's see, that's this is. So Dan
0: and I had this debate. Um, I'm upset because I've got descent sitting on my shelf, and me too. I'm a fantasy dude, but I also love sci-fi. I probably love Star Wars more than I would love the theming of Descent. But after watching Team Covenant's playthrough of it, it is the exact same game. And I that bothers me. Because I'm not going to purchase it when I've got this other game sitting on my shelf. So, that's just my take on it, though.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, Fantasy Flight is obviously milking the Star Wars license, which they have every right to, because they probably paid you know, a small fortune to obtain it.
0: Well, and the games so, that they produce so far, like X-Wing, Armada looks oh, yeah, awesome. Oh,
2: great. Yeah, Armada looks good. I have a beef with Armada <laughs> in that the little tiny, tiny, tiny ships, um, for those who haven't seen Armada, Armada kind of takes the X-Wing system and I guess scales it up a bit in that, you know, because the, the question always was, how do you fit in Star Destroyers? How do you do this? And that, with some of the bigger ships, you know, the more recognizable big ships in the Star Wars universe. Um, So what they've done is they've kind of taken a page out of the Star Trek game, and they've kind of scaled it back. And so, for instance, the X-Wings are, what is it, six to a base or something? They've shrunk them down. Is it three? Okay. Well, I was way off, but that's okay. There's a few Uh, of them. There's multiples. There's a few. There's multiple X-Wings per base now, so to kind of get that scale and there's star destroyers etc it's pretty it's really cool looking but my one you know issue is that those tiny tiny little x-wings and stuff aren't painted you know for those of you involved in x-wing in any sort of manner whether it's just sitting on your shelf or you play it you know how awesome those models are and they're fully painted and you just kind of stare at them So it it was kind of a bummer for me when I saw the little tiny X wings on in the Armada. They were just you know plain gray. You can obviously paint them yourselves, but you got to be really good at that stuff to get so small. That's that that job. Yeah. So that's my beef with Armada, but otherwise it looks it looks amazing. It looks I mean Fantasy Flight outdid themselves again. Um, So yeah. They also released the the Warhammer Conquest, which I haven't had a chance to look at, but it's Eric Lang, who apparently I think has designed every board game in the world. I think that's pretty close.
0: He definitely has um, a hand in pretty much every between, LCG.
2: Between Eric Lang and Bruno Cathala, I don't, I don't know any other designers anymore. I really just—it <laughs> seems like my entire collection is starting to build uh, Eric Lang and Bruno Cathala. Uh, titles which is it's cool because they're good
0: now well conquest is gonna end up on my shelf i can already tell you that because i've just i don't even like 40k but i traded my netrunner because no one wanted to play it just this the local scene i kind of fell out of and i'm not competitive enough to hang out on the east coast because they're quite good but i'm looking for a new game it seems to have a little blood bowl team manager feel to it which um, it's
2: got a paper rock scissor mechanic.
0: Yeah, it's got some interesting stuff, and those full art Commander cards look fantastic. But So that's going to end up on my shelf, and I'm excited for it. What I was wondering, Tiffany, do you play LCG's cartoon? Can you
1: tell I haven't checked this yeah, one Yeah, I was going to no, say, I'm interested. hearing
0: silence over there. <laughs> yeah. Not big well, into LCGs. You know,
1: It goes back to my whole magic problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I can't get it LCGs. I can't. It's a. I can't do it. It's tough. I mean, I'll try to get everything, and I can't keep up with it. And then I get frustrated, and then I stop playing, and then I have all these cards.
2: Yeah, that's yep. that's how we were with Netrunner. I mean, Netrunner, I kept up.
1: I talked one of my friends into buying Netrunner <laughs> because I knew
2: it's a great game.
1: I wanted to try it, but I knew that I couldn't do it. And, and I talked him into buying it and now he hates me uh, because no one will play it with him. That's <laughs> Including me.
2: Well, I just traded mine. Yeah. I just traded mine as well. And I traded it for 51st State, which Aww. has just been replaced by Imperial Settlers in my book. So, <laughs> I will be trading my 51st State as well. So not a bad. So game, everyone listening, I much prefer... if you're looking for a copy of 51st yes. State, Dan will the say. three of you that have chosen to download and listen this far, please let me know if you want a 51st State, as well as the winter expansion. Um,
0: I do. I want to give us some plays of 51st State, though, because I'd like to compare the two. I, I'd be interested to see the differences.
2: It's not very many. It's basically... Imperial Settlers is just a re-theme, almost, okay. of 51st State, taking it out of that you know, hit or miss Hiroshima Hex world, which, you know, some people love, some people just don't want to be in it. Um, so, I loved Imperial Settlers. I was so happy that I got a copy this week, because at Gen Con it sold out in 26, 26 minutes. yeah. And then he just kept all the, all the pre-orders. Computers. Yeah, but he kept the pre-orders there and it just taunted you as you walked by his his booth. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, excuse me, Ignacy, can I just give you sixty bucks and you'll give me one of those,
0: please? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my—that was a, a big thing for me. Was I was staring as I sat at home on my couch, enjoying Gen because I couldn't make it there. Um, I did take solace in the fact that Imperial Settlers—I had listened to an interview and I knew it was going to be hitting the week after Gen Con, which is how we ended up getting a copy. So pretty sweet. But
2: yeah, our, yeah our locals. Pretty good about kind of anticipating demand, what games are going to be hot. It was a real pleasant surprise when I walked in there on Friday, and he had eight copies of Imperial Settlers just sitting there. Yeah.
0: But uh, so the news that I'm interested in, or at least the news that I want to talk about, because I've been following this on Twitter, and it's the Dyson Mouth Challenge, <laughs> which I think we all have done. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so. If you're in the gaming world, at least on Twitter, you've probably seen strange pictures of people eating dice, or in my case, a strange sugar skull mask covered in dice. If you're not in the gaming world, in the Twitter, uh, in the Twitters, there's something going on called the Dice and Mouth Challenge, which is part excellent cause, but part also mockery of the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, And this was Stephen Avery, right?
1: Yes. Steve Avery and Dan Patrice. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Tiffany. All right. So tell me a little bit about it. Me? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh.
1: Um. Well, Dan Patrice uh, created Gamers for Cures to support uh, girls who have Turner syndrome. So when you do the dice and mouth ta- challenge, you donate to his charity, and the money goes towards that. Okay. So you take a you take a picture of yourself with dice in your mouth, and then you challenge some other people to do it, and you donate to the charity.
0: Yeah, and they've raised, I haven't checked recently, but I know the last time I checked, it was well over uh, $1,200, which is pretty fantastic, just for kind of this small little thing floating around the internet. But he's also, he's got the 24-hour marathon, Dan Patrice does, correct? That's going to be popping up? Is that right, or did I make that up?
1: No, he does a 24-hour uh, board game marathon. Um, it's in November, okay. and this year it's November 8th.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, and they do, like, a 24-hour thing
0: Yeah. to raise money. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so that's something that I was uh, pretty interested in. I'm having a good time checking out the different pictures of people eating dice. We challenged <laughs> Kelly B., one of our other league members, challenged um, some of our friends, and they're not really in the board game community, and they were like, they were confused on why we had challenged them to eat dice. Um, so after a short <laughs> explanation, they realized it was a good cause. So it really is a fantastic cause, and it's kind of fun just to jump in um, and send your picture around the internet to check out.
2: It's doing well. Last I checked, there was over $1,500, right? Did they cross
0: $1,500? Yeah. Yeah, and, it's,
2: yeah, and he's, it just started, what, Tuesday? Wednesday? No, Tuesday. It was Tuesday, I think, of this week. Yeah. This past week. So that's pretty impressive for less than a week. That is
0: fantastic. So Um, a good cause to keep in mind. Hop on the Twitter and uh, send out a picture of you eating some dice.
2: Yeah, it's a hashtag dice in mouth challenge. Yeah, don't
1: forget to go to firstgiving.com
0: and donate. Yes, that's a really important piece.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and most people have been linking to that with their pictures, etc. Also, if you look at our website, I did a blog post about the challenge, and I've linked everything in there as well. Yeah, so.
0: as well as a little bit more information about Turner Syndrome, because it, like Dan says in his post, and it, it went for me too, I really just didn't know enough about Turner Syndrome, so it was raising awareness, which is part of the battle. So, yeah, I think all around, it's a good thing, and the fortunate thing about the community surrounded around the Dice and Mouth Challenge, Dice and Mouth challenge is that I think everybody is taking that extra step to be aware and to do something nice and it it really is bringing people together around this this cause um so i think all around a a very positive thing but so that was the uh the little piece of news that i had that i think was kind of worthy of sharing but moving forward so one of the other things we do on the site the league of nonsensical gamers is we go over some of the cool new things that are hitting kickstarter and that seems to be a big trend in the the board gaming hobby these days is kind of Kickstarter and backing these games. So we normally let Smee go over the, the Kickstarter spotlight in his weekly review, but there seems to be a few too many anthropomorphic cats in that list for me. So I thought we'd take a chance on the podcast and go ahead and look at some of the projects that we wanted to focus on. So let's start off with Tiffany. I know she wanted to talk about Nautilus Industries a bit
1: yeah so I got a chance to check this out at Gen con I was uh, I got to meet Peter Woken who did the graphic design for the game and he kind of took me over and showed me through the game uh, basically it's you are a business owner and you're sending subs down to the bottom of the sea um, and like mining the depths for these rare elements and then there's like a market component where you're like you know affecting the market and driving up demand and all that stuff. Uh, so it just seems kind of slick. It looks really good. The art is awesome. Um, they they're on Kickstarter for 11 more days, starting right now. Uh, so and they're they're funded. Uh, it looks good. You can get the game for 49 Canadian dollars.
2: So so they're funded in Canadian money. So be careful because that's not real money.
1: Oh, stop.
0: <laughs> no, I think that what that comes out to probably around like 45, maybe a little bit lower American dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The loonie like is, is close to the dollar.
1: But yeah, I thought it looked interesting. They, uh, I don't know. Just like a little nice little market thing. You just take some actions. You adjust the market.
2: Yeah, we're big fans of market manipulation games. At least I am. Me? So
0: too. I They're not my favorite thing, but. The- I did, when I watched the video and I looked at some of the mechanics, it was interesting to me. I didn't, it wasn't quite in my price range for a Kickstarter project, just because it wasn't, I'm looking for usually smaller style games, more than micro games whenever I hit Kickstarter, but the game itself does look interesting, um, and it does look slick.
2: Yeah, Lamplight's good. Those guys at Lamplight are good. Yeah. They came out with space junk before. Which I will admit that wasn't really my cup of tea, but this one looks this one looks really good, and um, they're a nice young up and coming publisher. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what they have in store. I backed it. You backed it.
1: Yeah, ah. yeah. I have backed it for the exclusive deluxe edition. Ooh,
2: fancy. Did yeah. you put yourself in in it like?
1: Not this one. <laughs> That's just waggle dance.
2: Do you have a habit of putting yourself in games?
1: No. If
0: there's like a backer level no. that says make a Tiffany card, then you're like, yes, I need to. Three hundred dollars, put me in Listen. this game.
1: No, she's in
2: Brewcrafters.
1: Well, that wasn't like I like. I was like, hey, put me in Brewcrafters. That was like I just happened to be in there.
2: <laughs> you just you just magically appeared in Brewcrafters. Exactly.
1: That's cool. That you know.
2: The card looks cool. It's
1: like the even my board game career is having that card. But the malt buyer, look out for it.
0: So
2: I should get
1: when you to, to
0: sign this for me next time I see.
1: <laughs> that's kind of weird. You're well, I'll sign kind it. Kind
0: of famous.
1: I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. I don't. People yeah.
2: know her.
0: People can be like, Hey, her that's, her. that's that girl that I played with when I played Brewcrafters.
1: Like three people know me. Yes. yes.
2: She's got many leather-bound books, and her apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going there for a second.
2: <laughs> well,
0: I you have anything else that you'd like to say about not listening? No, I'm
1: you're done. I'm done. Okay.
0: That's fair. I didn't <laughs> know if you wanted to yep. brag about being in the game or anything like that. I don't know. No, I'm done. Well, actually, which is funny, now I didn't do this, but if you're looking for another game that you can be in, we're talking about Neon City Rumble. You can go get yourself as a card, as a character, or you can get yourself just punched. Like you can have someone be punching you and they will animate it into a card.
1: <laughs> I was confused. You back it that someone comes to your house and punches
0: yes, you. Yes. If you pay if you pay Davy Wagnarok, the designer of Neon City Rumble, $150, he will come to your house and punch you in person. <laughs> Sold. I think it's pretty cool. now So this game, this game is actually already funded and the Kickstarter is closed? But the reason I bring it up, so we, we did a preview of this game. I, You know, I've been in talks with Davey. He's a great guy. He's super dedicated to his project, and he's so dedicated, in fact, that he, although the Kickstarter is closed, although the game has funded, you can still hit him up and PayPal him, your payment, and you can still get the game because the game won't be coming out until January. So even though the Kickstarter is closed... This is like the only time I've ever seen this happen. You can basically hit him up, say I'm interested in Neon City Rumble. You know, I want this backer level. I'm, You know, you PayPal him the money and he, you get the game in January. Which I think is pretty cool because this game flew under the radar a bit. It managed to, in the last three days, get that end of project boost, which was excellent. Um, and he managed to get funding. But... That, you know, it doesn't stop there. You can always go back and you can up your backer level through PayPal or you can fund the game if you didn't before. Um, I'm a backer level. I'm getting expansions. I'm getting the base game. I'm getting playmats, all kinds of stuff because this game is pretty badass. It is a two-player beat-em-up card game that has, like, the coolest 80s, 90s double dragon, like, crazy style. Everything's super neon and pixelated. Um, which is really up my alley. It's not a stock market manipulation game. I'm out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just kidding. It looked really good. I, I checked it out on Kickstarter. The art is amazing. It
0: really is fantastic. Um, and the game itself is pretty... We're working on the rules. You know, We're, we're keeping communications open um, to try to do some more play testing and, and give our feedback. But... My biggest thing is that his dedication to this game is pretty pretty excellent. Like He's taking feedback, he's listening to his backers, he's putting all kinds of work into it, so it's a notable project and you can still get in on it, so that was something cool that I wanted to bring up. Um, if you want to see more, look at the Kickstarter or look at our preview over at com. But other than that, I know that Dan wanted to talk about some strange monsters invading the galaxy or something like that.
2: I'm on a bit of a Kickstarter hiatus. Um, But this one kind of drew me in, mainly because I had seen it before, uh, back when I wasn't on a Kickstarter hiatus, when I was dropping paychecks after paycheck on (laughs) Kickstarter projects that I still haven't seen probably 90%. That's why
0: you have 30 copies of Coin Age, because you dropped a whole paycheck on it.
2: Probably. (laughs) I don't really, but. The, um, it's called Asking for Troubles. It's from uh, Kraken Games, and uh, Christian Strain is the designer. Uh, this game was previously, I mentioned before, is previously on Kickstarter. Uh, it was the game you may have heard of that was only in orange. Um, the game itself and the graphic design was orange or white. I mean, it was just very simple, and a lot of people didn't like that. And that caused him to cancel the project, actually, and kind of look at other forms of design and or color schemes um, he actually let the backers and or potential backers vote on the color scheme that he would relaunch with uh, blue and orange and white won out so it's back and it's 99 percent funded right now with I think like eight days to go so I think it's pretty much uh, gonna reach its funding goal um, but it was just it was just interesting it's kind of weird that so many people were so put off by the color scheme um, and didn't even pay attention to the gameplay itself um, because the gameplay itself looks kind of interesting it's a two to seven player worker placement game uh... it's got a bumping mechanic simple similar to that of euphoria um, Except in Euphoria, this one doesn't suck. Oh! Uh, oh! I i have to take a time talk about that. I know I am the one person on this podcast right oh. now that is not a huge fan of Euphoria, so I will just leave it at that. We can have this argument another day because I'll need to bring Chris on to kind of support me so we can have at least a two-on-two. But, um, yeah, it's, it looks like a really interesting project. And, like I said, eight days to go, 99% funded. Uh, check it out. I think it's it's relatively inexpensive too. I think it's thirty five dollars, maybe forty. Um, but yeah,
0: so. excellent. Yeah,
1: to get a full game, it's forty two dollars.
2: Okay, forty two bucks. What you say? Get a full game. Like, can you get half a game?
1: <laughs> well, you can get the you can get a print and play
0: version. twenty one dollars. They send you half of the board and half of the components, <laughs> and you can play two to what four and a half player. The other <laughs> half is
2: like that, that stupid Emperor's New Clothes. Oh God! Well, yeah. that's, that's a topic attended. for
0: a different day. We can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that actually comes out. It takes a while to make white components, so that hasn't hit yet. Um,
2: no, they were. They were. Uh, were they demoing it at Gen Con, Tiffany? Demo. I've I say demoing. I think they were just. You
1: said that, but. But they were using their seen.
2: imaginations I don't know they I, must did, have I did something see a, a picture so
1: that's like that's the ultimate hipster game right there is you set out all these white components out on the board you pretend like you know what you're doing and
0: <laughs> so for those who don't know like uh, Emperor's Sorry. new clothes that's
2: it's okay. game salute correct? It's Jonathan Liu, the the senior editor for geek Dead okay
1: uh, Nice guy I'm Yeah, very
2: nice guy great guy great reviewer. Um, but his game I met him as well for the first time but his game was bizarre Go ahead. The, man.
0: well the game i don't know as much as you two probably do but i know the game is all white components like stark white the board is plain the box is just white the pieces are white the meeples the cubes or whatever and there basically is no game the game is what you pretend to be is that correct <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, something like that. Some strange.
1: Wasn't it really just meant as kind of a satire? Yeah, I don't it know. It was the
0: most successful social commentary Kickstarter's ever seen. Other, Well, Potato Salad was pretty... <laughs> about potato yeah, Salad? I, I was going to yeah. say... Potato Salad trumped it. In the board gaming world, the most successful political comment on our spending habits on Kickstarter. <laughs> but yeah. that aside... The projects that we're actually interested in, Nautilus Industries, Neon City Rumble, asking for Troubles, all very affordable. They come with color, they come with a rule book and gameplay that doesn't involve imagination. They tell you what to do. It's fantastic. So those are three things to keep an eye on. Yeah. con 2014 just happened over 56,000 individual people is that unique visitors at the status is that right
2: I think unique was 49 49 something either I don't know where the other 7,000
0: people what I saw was it was up multiple thousand people over last year correct
2: yes it was like 10% we're
0: talking about 400 vendors and publishers selling their games thousands upon thousands upon thousands of events there's more to do there than you can do in four days. And yet, that's how long Gen Con is. But you guys still managed somehow to get games to the table. Is that right? A few, yeah. Anything
2: good?
1: I did better than last
2: year. Yeah, I definitely did better than last year as well. Yeah. Of course, last year was just Matt and I just wandering. So. We bought a lot of things
0: last year. We, we did. We just wandered the vendor hall. But we you did. actually played some games this year. So what kind of stuff did in you the play?
2: The vendor hall this year... Hall this year they expanded What was it like I forget the twenty percent or
0: something
2: it was huge they actually opened up the whole right side that they didn't have last year. Yeah.
0: Um, so even with all, all that crazy. shiny bits, you guys still managed to get <clears throat> stuff to the table. So what kind of what kind of stuff did you get into?
2: Um, I'll start. It was a Thursday. Tiffany, you got in Thursday night, so that's when.
1: Yep. I played some prototypes Thursday night. Yeah. Um, from the building, the game guys. So, <laughs> I got to play Beat on the Street, which is a game about rapping, and nice. so that I was really, I was really good at that. Um, I wasn't really good at that.
0: I don't know. I heard good <laughs> things about Midwest white women and their rapping skills.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's totally a thing. No, it was fine. <laughs> it was
0: good. Yeah. That's cool.
2: I got in. Well, I got in Wednesday. And I had a chance to play Diamonds, the new Stronghold release from Mike Fitzgerald. But I actually got to play it with Mike Fitzgerald, which was really cool. So fancy. Uh, we I'm went jealous. to the Tilted Kilts. You should be. He's, a, he's an amazing dude. That guy is just so cool to talk to. Um, we met up with some folks at the Tilted Kilts. Um, Dan Patrice, Chris Kirkman, a bunch of those guys. TC Petty. The the Fleeples, Matt Riddle, and Ben Pinchback were there. Um, But a few of us got into a game with Mike um, of Diamonds, which was really cool. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's it's a trick-taking game. Your your standard, you know, lead with a suit. If you can't follow suit, then you play another one. Um, But the twist is you're actually trying to... um, gain the most points via your diamonds. Uh, There's actually small little acrylic gemstones, uh, similar to those in Ascension or Compounded or things like that. Um, So they're really cool, you know, little bits everyone likes to fiddle with, but um, when you don't follow suit um, and you play a card and there's other ways you can activate these powers as well, but each suit has a specific power to it. which allows you to collect diamonds from the the main pool or steal them from other players. Um, Just a couple of different various actions to take. It was really neat. Um, It has some hidden scoring as well because you have player screens. Um, Just a really cool twist on the whole trick-taking genre, which I I love.
0: So then you get home. That
2: that was awesome.
0: You get home, and I'm all excited because I sat on the couch all Uh, week. And I say, hey, did you pick up Diamonds? And what does Dan have to say? He I, says, I got bullied into selling bullied. into selling my copy to Jason Katarski because he cried. He wept in front of me, and I sold the man my game. Listen,
1: that's a lie.
2: <laughs> that is a I, lie. I was, out of the goodness of I my was there. heart, I offered, because he was really bummed that he, he, he didn't get until Friday, and Diamonds is one of those titles that really sold out quickly. Along with Panamax, another stronghold title, and it was one he was really looking forward to. And it's I enjoyed it, I played it, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't sure how often it would hit the table when we got home, etc. So I said, here, Jason, you know, just give me what I paid for, and it's yours." I just so, want him to know that of the, the reason of my heart,
0: I'm not playing diamonds right now is because he's playing diamonds right now. I just want him to know that. Well, that's okay.
2: And the reason you're playing Fidelitas is because he was kind enough to provide us one. So that is we'll true. call it even. So you win. We'll call it even. <laughs> no. Um, no, I am excited about Diamonds.
0: I think Diamonds looks cool. We play a lot of trick-taking games because that's a good way to get some of our lighter gamers, like our littlest brother, his girlfriend, my mom. We get all them to the table when trick-taking games come out. So that's, that's one that I was looking forward to. And it'll be hitting shelves soon, so that's cool. Um, but one... <laughs> that I am interested to hear about because I haven't heard too much about it. I want to hear about Night of the Grand Octopus. Oh, boy. No. And I, I remember so seeing sad. a picture about That's... Tiffany playing this and Dan playing this, so I want to hear about it.
2: Do you want to start, Tiffany, or you want me to? Oh, <laughs> well,
1: I'm having a hard time talking about it. Uh, no, I was really excited about it because it's from Yellow, so it looks amazing, and I'm... Kind of a Lovecraft. I kind of got into that with the letters, and so it's like this cutesy Lovecraft kind of thing, like cartoony. You're like you have these little cultists that you're moving around on the board, and um, I was pretty pumped about it. But it turns out it's kind of super super ultra light. I knew it was a kids game, but I was kind of hoping it would have enough going on there that I would enjoy it, and um, so it doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. There are some things in it like I don't know how to it's like simultaneous action revealing so you have this like clock thing. Uh, It's the command clock and you choose your action secretly that way and then you all reveal it at the same time and you go to that place. Um, If you're in the same place as someone you have to like negotiate with them which I guess I didn't know about that part and I'm really bad at negotiating. So it'll be like um, so y- you get it this time, or I get it this
2: time. Okay, you can <laughs> It have was, it. It was, like, it was very anticlimactic. My-
1: right. Because like, I just felt like there's negotiation, but I don't have anything to negotiate. Ah, uh, okay. Like,
2: yeah, you don't hey, have money. Or...
1: Maybe the next time we're on the same place together, <laughs> I won't take it. If that ever happens again, I don't know, because we pick picked this secretly.
2: Fair. Yeah, maybe if our rondels ever line up again you can take this, but you don't have, like, money or any... There's nothing really tangible other than, you know, future promises to offer. And even then, it's such a, a crapshoot because there's seven spaces on the board yeah. and you may not always go for the same one as the other player. Well, I guess
0: um, my question would be... So, not particularly strong for the more uh, apt gamer, but how about from the...
1: I think it would be good for yeah, a family
2: game. Yeah, that's the demographic that they're yeah. shooting for. Does, do you think it works? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very light. I think
1: Um, the negotiation is wonky no matter
2: what, like,
1: whether you're a gamer or you're doing it in your family, like, I just can't imagine sitting down, I don't know, I don't have kids, so I guess I can't speak to it, but I am a teacher of kids. Yeah, so would you play with your kids? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably bust this out and see if they liked it. Probably will before the school year is over,
2: but... it's really pretty. I mean, the production quality oh, is gorgeous. standard. ILO top-notch. I mean, you can't really complain about that at all. It was really fun. I mean, it had stickers. I mean, I know yeah. Tiffany's a bit OCD with her sticker placement, but... A bit? I think we got those on there <laughs> How okay. How long did
1: it take me to put the stickers on? I don't know.
2: About 30 minutes. <laughs> so, <but laughs> Tiffany... It took
1: longer for me to put the stickers on it than it did for us to play the game. Fair enough. I'm pretty sure.
2: But Tiffany, you did buy it. So this is...
1: I bought it. Was... it. Yeah, I wanted it.
2: She bought it, which then prevented me from buying it, which was awesome. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) And I can help out. Now, I will say this. There are these external location things, so it adds another space onto the board, or like off of the board, actually, that you can go to that have different like special abilities, and we didn't play with every single one of them, and there were a couple of them that sounded more interesting than the one we had, so it could be better. Than what I'm letting on. Because I haven't played everything.
2: Sure. Yeah, there was
0: a couple of variants. Another one. So you guys also got to play the Spiel des Jahres winner Camel Up. Is that right? And I've heard mixed reviews about this. And I want to hear first-hand accounts of this crazy pyramid camel humping game. Camel
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's some some, some camels in questionable positions throughout the game.
1: Go for it. We
2: played it, I played it twice. I think you did as well. I think you were in both games I was in. three
1: times. Oh,
2: okay, okay.
1: After you left, I got in one more game.
2: Gotcha. I played it with four players. Um, Myself, Tiffany, Chris Kopak. Oh, no, there was five players, wasn't it? It was Jason Katarski and then Jason Slingerland as well. So we played a five player game and then we also played later in the night a seven player game with a yeah. couple of folks, you know, Joel Eddy, Matt Riddle, Brian Fromm, a couple of other people. It's it's interesting. I think it I think it fits the Spiel de Jahres family kind of motto, so to speak, uh very well. Is there's not a lot of there's not a lot of thought process involved. It's a lot of luck. It's a betting game. You're essentially um, betting on the camels to move around the pyramid and cross the finish line. There's different actions you can take. You know, you could take the move the camel, which allows you to roll one of the die out of the little pyramid, which is a really cool gimmick. Um, it's, it's an engineering feat, so to speak, of you like flip this pyramid over that has the dice in it and you press this lever and it like magically releases one. It's really cool. Yeah,
1: every, every time I saw someone busting open their copy, they're all like fighting, like, "Are you gonna put the pyramid together?" Like, <laughs> just because it, it looks complicated, but yeah. it is pretty neat.
2: It's probably
1: it adds twenty five dollars
2: of the forty dollars you're spending. <laughs> it's this funny. fancy pyramid, <laughs> yeah, is this yeah. fancy engineering feat that you know the seventh wonder of board gaming world?
1: Uh- <laughs> wow, high praise.
2: It is. It was really cool. I just thought it was neat. But yeah. it, you could screw it up just as easily. So I remember Stephanie did it, and seven, you know, all five dice came out. I was like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> that is not how that's supposed but, to um, work. You know, you go around, and the different camels, each each camel has a die tied to it. Um, so, they'll move once per leg. Each leg, you do a scoring leg, and you can bet on which camels you think will win that leg, so to speak. Um very random. Like I said, it's, it's essentially a party game. And if you go into it with that mindset, you can have a lot of fun. If you're going into it with, I want to strategically determine how my camel is going to cross the finish line, all this crap you're, you're done for. Um, you're probably going to have a miserable time. I thought it was a good time. You know, you're yelling, you're cheering. It's kind of, uh, I liked it. I really did. I think it was a, I think it was a worthy winner. Uh Mainly because I think Splendor is the most boring game ever made.
1: But oh, boy. oh boy.
2: To each his own. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I'll let, I'll let Tiffany give her opinion.
1: Thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, I enjoyed it, too. I bought it. I ended up buying it. And that was, like, the kind of cool thing was that it was such a surprise that it was even there. Um, yeah. I didn't know Z-Man was going to have it this early on. And uh, that alone, I was like, yes, please. And... Uh, Well, I really like it. I mean, just the the betting is, you know, you bet on each leg, but you're also betting on the overall winner of the race, so you have a hand of cards representing each camel, and you can put it in the pile that's saying, yes, this camel's going to be the overall winner, or this camel's going to be the overall loser, and you can put as many cards as you want in there to kind of hedge your bet, but... I think that part of it's kind of interesting because if you put those down too early, you can really screw yourself over and it just makes it really exciting kind of as they get towards the end, they get closer and they can really the, the camels can come from behind quite a bit actually. Uh so yeah.
2: and I will say I Silly thought fun. it was better. I thought it was better with less players. I thought 4 or 5 probably was probably a sweet spot with that game. I agree. Um, seven players. It was fun. You know, it was a real good time. You're like hooting and hollering, et cetera. But the amount of actions you actually get to take per leg is, is very limited. I think one one time around, I only got to do one thing. And yeah. the rest of the time, you know, people are betting and doing other things. So it was, it was very limited what you could do, the interaction there. So I think I preferred it with the, the four or five level. Yeah. Um, well, five. I didn't play with four, but I could see four or five probably being in the sweet spot for this one.
0: Cool. Well, I mean, I definitely want to give it a try. Um,
2: I was going to buy it, but they were sold out when I went yeah. back. I I slept on it a little too long.
0: It'll be out soon enough, and it sounds like you know it's not winning everyone over, but that it was you know a good enough game. Um, and I'll pretty much give anything a shot. So I definitely want to give it a try because I have played Concept and I have played uh, Splendor. But I'm a fan of both of those games, so I don't know where I would place my vote. Not that it matters. but
1: I still think Camel Up, like I've played all three as well, I think Camel Up is the more Spiel like game, just yeah. because concept doesn't actually have rules, so that kind of disqualifies it. I mean, it has rules, you just don't play it. Everyone them,
0: hates so... on concept, and it's random. It's so cool, cause... though.
1: It's no, I cool love game. concept. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying, like, for the, if you look at the criteria they use yeah. to determine the Shiaris winners, the, the rule set is important in there, and since concept, you can more or less throw out the rule set if you so choose, True. I can see why it didn't win. But it is a lot of fun. We, pl- I've played it almost every game night since I bought it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, in terms of what you've been playing, now we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of like your big... Your big wins and your big losses in terms of gen combo. Was there any were there any big games that you wanted to like everyone should go out and try this? Um
2: Rhino Probably Hero. H-
1: Rhino Hero, <laughs> yeah.
0: So Rhino Hero is a children's game, essentially a family game from Haba where you're building a skyscraper apartment building kind of thing. Right? I played it a few times. Yeah. We've all played it and it has a cutesy little rhino with a, a lovely little uh, superhero rhino sticker on it. And, yeah, dexterity game. Pretty simple to play, but difficult to play well because you're essentially trying to make a card tower.
2: Who doesn't like stacking cards? That's basically all you have to do. Yeah. You're stacking cards. You're making a skyscraper yeah, we of cards.
1: Yeah, went to the booth, she showed me like, the back of the box and I was like, sold. Give
2: it yeah. to me. We were there. We were at Hubba's Booth for like two seconds, and we're like, Yeah, we'll play a game, but I'm still gonna buy it. So set two of those aside, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Dan's self proclaimed best game of Gen Con was Rhino Hero from Haba.
2: I will, yes, in my that was mine top too. Three, I would say that was my game of the convention. It was so much fun.
0: That's wild because this is
2: everyone who played it loved it. Yeah, it was good. A 10
0: minute game about just making easy rule
2: set, nice components, fun gameplay.
1: It sold out.
2: Yeah, and it, it sold out, and that's all thanks to Tiffany and I.
1: Yeah, we started the revolution, the Rhino Hero Revolution. Yeah,
2: and you guys were good I enough. I could say
0: to get your pictures taken by the Habo people. They thought you were that good at building card houses.
2: Yeah, the yep. one we built in their booth was. Uh,
1: it was impressive.
2: I think it was two cards away from finishing the whole stack. Solid. It was, pretty, it was pretty good.
1: First time, and it was on hard mode because there are two modes on it where you can your, your base yeah. is a little bit more stable in the easy mode.
2: I know. That lady started us off on the V-shaped one, which was like, yeah. what?
1: She knew we were pros. She could yeah, tell. She
2: saw, <laughs> she saw it. She saw it. I telegraphed it.
0: Well, while you guys were at Gen Con building towers with superhero rhinos, I had the fortune of playing Dead of Winter two more times. So, we played it five times since it came out. Um, We played it like five times within the first couple weeks, and we haven't played it um, in like a week or so. Now, Dan's played this. Tiffany, have you played Dead of Winter yet?
1: Haven't unshrinked my copy yet, sadly. You do have a copy.
0: Now, are you interested in this game? Are you excited about it? I bought it. Well, yeah, but you (laughs) also bought uh, Night of the Octopus, Grand Octopus, and you weren't really feeling that. So,
1: Good point. Fair enough. No, I'm interested.
0: I'm all about Dead of Winter. So Dead Winner Winter is a Platt Hat Games release. Um, we did a nice little write-up, a Q&A, with the designers, uh, John Gilmore and Isaac Vega. And this is a, it's a cooperative game, a meta-cooperative game, as they call it, with individual personal goals. So main goal for the colony of survivors, and then individual goals, where if you don't complete your individual goal, you'll still lose even if the whole team wins the cooperative goal. And there might be a betrayer in the midst. So two more plays of that I got in. This game is excellent. I love it to death. But cracks, chinks in the armor, five players, three of which were new, not a good time. Not a good time. Um, We played with Steve, Kelly, Alicia, Ben and I just... Took way too long. We're talking about a game that normally takes like 15-20 minutes a player. Um, was pushing over three hours. It was, what? Yeah, it, it dragged on partially because people didn't quite know what they wanted to do. Um, we died in the end and everyone lost. It was, out of my five plays, the worst play that I've had of it. I still had fun, but definitely like showed a weak side of Dead of Winter that I hadn't seen yet because we had such a good time um, with it the other plays. We played it again three players, done in an hour, it was excellent loved it, but I wanted to throw it out there that I, I've seen the dark side of the Dead of Winter and it is scary because three plus hours for a game is not pretty
2: Well, We, we saw when we played the first two games, and in, in two games I mean this is billed as a crossroads game, which is the cool unique mechanic are these crossroad cards in which the player to your right of the active player draws a card and if the triggering effect happens anytime during their turn you you stop and you read this card and then you either have to vote on a certain outcome or the player gets to pick something etc but we played two plays and only four crossroads cards triggered the whole, you know, in both those games. Uh, total, that was, might be
0: a little under, uh, but it, no, there weren't as close. many as we thought.
2: Yeah, it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of sad, in a way. I really wanted to see what these cards would add to the game. Because other than that, it's just, it's just a normal kind of co-op with a betrayer mechanic in there kind of thing. I didn't really, I mean, it's good. It's a very solid game. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, the production quality is normal. Um, so to speak, but I don't know. I wasn't as enamored as it as everyone else. I think. I but don't you
1: know. don't like anything zombie-related, right?
2: I don't. But I will say that this—I will be the first to admit that the this game wasn't focused on the zombies. They were there, and they kind of pissed me off just being there. But the you know the game doesn't revolve around them, so to speak. Uh, it revolves around the player interaction um, and the kind of the need for everyone to kind of work together and or not work together if you're the betrayer Um, so I I will say that you know those folks that don't like zombies out you know try it you know I think you'll find that the zombies aren't the centerpiece that being said I wish you know they've kind of released some of their other future plans they've got like Boy Scout Camp or something like that Feudal Japan Lost in Space and I would have preferred any of those. 300 times more than zombies. Because zombies are just done for me. I'm so sick of seeing games with zombies. But, and yet. And yet I bought one. And I <laughs> still kick myself for it. But like, yeah. He did buy. You know it's good. Dead of Winter. I did buy Dead of Winter. But I'm going to give it away probably. As a giveaway on our site. Hint, hint. Stay tuned. Um, oh, no. <laughs> because we have a copy of it with Ben, and I don't see myself playing it outside of with our normal group. It's not one of those things I'll pull out. So, that's my spiel on Dead of Winter. But yeah, the zombies aren't the focus. I, I will admit that. Because I was worried about that going in.
0: Honestly, the scariest part of Dead of Winter, what the zombies don't kill you. The frostbite, the, the, the 12-sided die is a mean and cruel mistress, and sometimes you just roll frostbite all the time and you die of the cold. The, the winter is the scary part of Dead of Winter, not the zombies. But anyhow, so that's what I was playing. I played a few other games, but that was the big highlight, was getting Dead of Winter back to the table. Um, so I think what we want to move into is we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. So we've talked at length about some of the things that we've been playing. Um, we're talking about Gen Con 2014 and Gen Can't 2014, which I'll get into. But I want to do, like, real quick, best and worst, with a little bit of discussion, what were the things that you liked, what were the things that you didn't like about Gen Con 2014, and I'll give my little GenCan't 2014 perspective. So, Tiffany, how about you kick us off, we'll go, we'll leave the best for last, so give me, like, some of your least favorite things about Gen Con 2014, what just didn't work for you, what you didn't like, what you were upset about, you didn't get to do, things like that
1: what I didn't like. So we're starting with the bad it doesn't stuff. doesn't have
0: okay. I mean if you don't have any you don't have anything. But
1: Well, okay. I have a I mean I have a couple of yeah. things. Um, and I think some of my things are going to line up with what Dan okay. says, but I'll start with sleep deprivation. <laughs> I on average maybe got 2-3 hours of sleep every night and I do this at every convention because, you know, I've run into people that I don't get to see all the time and yeah, so I choose not to sleep. And that really ask because the next day I have to get up and I have to learn games and play games and my brain doesn't work and then I'm upset about that. So I need to sleep more. Um,
0: it's a good life lesson. That's it. To take home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you need sleep to live, people.
0: <laughs> well, even though you were in your sleep-deprived, zombie state, was there anything else that that bugged you?
1: Well, games-wise, uh, I got Panamax. So well, Dan was kind enough to pick me up a copy of it because it was my number one pick, and I knew it would sell out. So, uh, and I didn't come in until Thursday night. So we got that, and we tried to play it one morning uh, when we were fresh in the morning, and the rule book was a bear to get through. We had multiple people looking at it, and it was it. We probably sat there for two hours trying to make sense of the rule book.
2: Yeah, and it's size four font, and
1: basically, I. Think they should have been a 16 page rule book into 12 pages uh, so it's really small and hard to and that makes it hard for me to read and it's not exactly organized in the most intuitive way. Um, I talked to Stephen Bonacore about it over at stronghold games and he was kind of saying that you know it's like the company that he brought it over from Mesa board games Mesa board games um, that's just kind of how they do it and yeah. It's still a good game underneath it. Once I figure out the rule book, I guess. <laughs> it also had um, had had some bits that I didn't like.
0: Bingo chips, oh. I hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, instead of instead of like cardboard money, which I probably would have preferred, uh, it had silver and gold colored uh, bingo chips, tiddlywinks, into. Um, <laughs> Two different sizes so there's like a regular size and a really tiny size. Some of them are strange shaped like for no reason and they have like kind of a flashing still on them so they kind of looked, I mean the the rest of the game looks absolutely fantastic, gorgeous beautiful art uh, and then you have these kind of cheap looking coins so I wasn't super thrilled with that um, but I have like a ton of metal coins to replace Would
0: you with. rather have paper money?
1: Yes. Oh, oh no! I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate test.
0: Are these bingo chips worse than paper money?
1: Uh, probably not. I don't know. Should I break
2: over my monopoly? It depends set? on the paper money. If it's <laughs> if it's Firefly paper money. I was gonna then say no.
1: paper money can work,
2: but Firefly paper money is amazing.
0: Fair enough. Prosperity paper but, money. Yeah,
2: these those bingo chips were they were. I mean, I know it's just a minor quibble. Other games have it, like Brass, and probably pretty much any Martin Wallace game, (laughs) I think, has those, but...
1: Honestly, like the, the money thing doesn't bother me that much. It's just that I really wanted to play it at Gen Con. I wanted to get it in so I knew it so I could teach it to my group because it seems like it would be up their alley that we would get some plays in. But now I'm just going to have to like watch a lot of the videos and really dig into the rule book uh, so I can teach it. And I, I was hoping to be lazy, I guess, is the moral of the story.
0: You have to read, and that is no fun for any gamer.
2: Let's start a petition <laughs> to Rodney. Smith. Let's see if he'll look at it for us. Yeah, we
0: need to beg Rodney to make a Panamax playthrough. So, Agreed. sleep deprivation the and the Panamax rule set, plus some not-so-pleasant money. Now, Dan, I know you had a problem with the Panamax rule set as well, but you had a couple other gripes. What Gen Con style didn't quite go your way?
2: Uh, these weren't so much gripes. I mean, the first one on my list is of my own doing. I booked a 6.30 a.m. flight out Sunday morning (laughs) which was in hindsight the dumbest thing I could possibly do Um, it it essentially meant that Saturday night was a no sleep night, I think I stayed up gaming with everyone until about 4.30 and then I headed to the airport at quarter of five um, got in, it was a connecting flight as well which I'm kicking myself for even more and got back to Baltimore around like 10.30 or so. Um,
0: and you slept for so a whole day.
2: I slept a lot. It was basically another waste of a day. Um, do it all over again. And I've done this before in the past. I don't know why I thought this was smart this time. If I could, um, I'll probably stay through Sunday night and or maybe even Monday morning. Um, just to kind of have that. It seems like Sunday is... Like a day of like just getting all your last minute stuff at the hall, and then just kind of going back to the hotel and gaming with your friends and stuff, which would be a nice wind down uh, to the weekend, I think. So, life
0: lessons from Gen Con.
2: Yes, life lesson, but not of Gen Con's doing. It was just my own fault.
1: Really, any con, I find if you stay one day past the last day, like if you leave yeah. the next day in the afternoon, if you can do it.
2: Yeah. You- well, the other thing was I was putting in my two weeks for my current job on that Monday morning, so um, I didn't really have a leg to stand on. If I
0: you didn't to want to, to call him in from Indianapolis,
2: in, yeah, I wanted to leave. I want to leave in good standing. So,
0: well, how about the games? Now I know. Was there anything that you weren't able to get? I'm alluding here.
2: Yeah. Now my my biggest thing, and I don't know if this was a trend or what, but it's. Seem seemed like this year a lot of games sold out and or had a very limited stock, um, which caused some scarcity and or hurt feelings slash pissed off people. Um, I know a number of games, you know, Dead of Winter, Imperial Settlers, King of uh, New York was the big one, uh, Five Tribes, all of these games just seem to have a very limited stock. I know for Five Tribes and King of New York, they're Apparently, you know, quote, was a customs issue, and they were only giving out, what was it, about 50 games a day, Tiffany? I think it was. Yeah, I think
1: it was 50. And there was some griping that people in the press were grabbing up copies of it because they get early access to the hall.
2: I have issue with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jerks. So um, I think in the end, Yellow ended up um, limiting how many they were giving out to the press as well. So Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, Gen Con shortages seem, it's always a problem, but it did seem that I was counting, like, close to 10 games that were sold out. Um, now, some of those had their, like, limited release each day, so it wasn't the whole stock. You could go back the next day and try again, but from the all the big titles that I saw Thursday, their stock was dried up. Um, there were still plenty of other good things to see, but definitely a lot of those big ones that people wanted to line up for. Didn't quite make it um, into their bags.
2: And I, you know, there were some people saying that oh, they're doing this on purpose to kind of build that.
1: I don't think that's. Ever I don't
2: think that's created. positive at all because the amount of games you could sell at that convention, at full price, you know, as well. Uh, uh, I think that far outweighs the amount of buzz you can build going into a, um, you know, the weeks to come after the convention. So I, I don't agree with those people saying that, but I don't know. It just seemed like. And I guess you could say, you know, it's better some than none sort of mentality, but just seemed like there was more scarcity this year, Um, whether that was a customs issue or just a a timing issue. Again, you've got, you know, things like, what is it, like a thousand games are released every year. So I I don't even, I can't even fathom how these printing, uh, you know presses are just running non-stop how they can get these games <laughs> produced and on time and things like that. So I think there's a number of factors, but I don't think it's anything, you know, advertently on, done on part of the publishers.
0: Yeah, it's not intentional. Well, either way, while you two were running around looking at all the cool things, I was sitting on my couch. So you know what? No complaining. You've mentioned that because you
2: were on the couch a couple times
0: yeah no that's because that's all I did at all?
1: you just sat on I that.
0: didn't I didn't leave the couch because I just didn't I was sad I and that's actually some of my my least favorite things was the fact that I wasn't at Gen Con and that's an easy one to pick but also the fact that I was glued to Twitter because there was so much cool stuff coming out from people at Gen Con that I didn't eat I didn't sleep I didn't do any of the things I was supposed to do because all I did was watch Twitter for all the cool things that were happening. So those are like those are my my low points. Now we already touched on it a little bit, but my lowest of low is Imperial Assault from FFG, and I don't want to get too far into it. But I'm just a little peeved about the reskinning of Descent, mainly because I want FFG to have my money, and they don't seem to want to take it because I already have that game on my shelf. But other than that, yeah, I think just sitting on my couch is <laughs> just it was a sad Were time. you're sitting on like your this, couch by chance
2: <laughs> during this whole?
0: I was. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I, no, I'm not sitting on my couch
2: while I podcast.
1: I had one more sad. sad thing. Oh, you have one I more. Have we'll one more go more complaint.
2: for it. Bring out the sadness.
1: Well, no. I. I mean, it's. It, it's this pretty much every convention. It's just that there are so many people there, so many awesome, cool people that you just don't get enough time to talk to everybody that you want to see.
0: Yep. So. Oh, that's a cop out. That's like my best quality is that I, or my worst quality is I care too much. (laughs) That's like, you can't,
1: I mean, and especially being socially inept, I never really want to like, you know, butt into someone's conversation or anything. So there are some people that I just flat out missed out on. I just like, I saw them from across the room and awkwardly glanced at them and then turned around right away because I knew I wouldn't be able to talk to them. Um, But I sent out a whole lot of like, sorry, I didn't get to talk to you. Uh, Twitter direct messages on Monday morning.
0: Solid. But yeah, I mean, like <laughs> we said, we've got 50,000 people there. Yeah. So the odds of seeing everyone that you wanted to see, you know, it's tough to get in a game and, and get in, especially when everyone's, you know, we know a lot of content producers, so you've got people shooting videos and um, doing interviews and stuff on top of trying to play games, on top of trying to buy games, on top of trying to do events. So... Um, I can see how that would be tough.
2: It's definitely not Origins. It's oh, it's, it's Origins definitely more so of a whirlwind. Cool. I prefer yeah. Origins. Yeah. It's just nice nice sit-down game with some people. Have a conversation where you're not shouting. I didn't lose my voice at Origins. I by what Friday I couldn't even speak at Gen Con just because <laughs> you're talking so loudly and.
1: You sounded like one of my teenage students.
2: I did. Oh my God! I was a prepubescent teenager going, "Hey guys, I like board games." It was pretty bad. A
0: solid first introduction for us. Yeah, no, I, for representing
2: it I just, you know, I do what I can. I just started. It's loud.
1: I lost my voice too by the end of it.
2: Yeah, it was bad, but all
0: that sadness and sitting on your couch aside, uh, <laughs> Gen Con was obviously probably way more good than it was bad or unfortunate or however you want to describe it. So let's look at awesome things. Gen Con, try to fit them all in. We've already talked about a few of them, but Dan, like big top three, lightning round, what was awesome about Gen Con? I'll go quick.
2: quick. Uh, first one on my list here, number three, would be early access to the hall. This was my first year going as a member of the quote press, um, aka the picture taking crowd. Um, so that was really cool to get in there Thursday morning. They gave out a hundred uh, early entry passes to the first hundred press people in line. Uh, so myself and uh, demo Ken, Ken Grazer uh, from Geekcraft, the guy I was staying with, uh, we got up at oh, maybe like quarter of six to get in line. But it was well worth it because we had that early access to the hall. We got some games that we might not have snagged earlier. We got to talk to some of the publishers, you know, while they weren't swamped, uh, which was really cool. Um, so that was a really neat experience. Um, uh, so that was my my top one, or not my top one, my number three. Uh, second one. Well, what else? You okay. Got for all, right, us? all right, I'll keep going. Then. Second one uh, was we kind of touched on before. It was Haba. I am enamored with that company and some of the stuff that they put out. It's just so cool. They had Rhino Hero. They have Animal upon Animal. They had some pizza game where you had stuffed ingredients that you're trying to stick on a pizza. They had this princess oh, yeah. princess game where you're trying to like make a bed using like these different pieces. So cool. It's just. So creative, so imaginative, some of those things. And uh, it was really cool to see them there. And they were right next to Blue Orange, which is two of my favorite kind of like kiddie family game companies. So uh, it was good to see them there. It was their first year at Gen Con. Um, And and like I said, Rhino Hero was my game of the con. So uh, that was that. And then the one number one is what everyone would say probably in this position was just hanging out with people. Uh, got to see a lot of folks we met at Origins, um, we got to meet a lot of the designers and some publishers as well as like fellow reviewers. Uh, which was cool. We got to meet the, the guys from like Spooning Meeples, Weapons Grade Tabletop, uh, Cardboard Republic, Joel Eddy, Undead Viking, those kind of guys. So it was cool, you know, to see that those people actually have legs because most of the time you only see them from like <laughs> the <laughs> chest up, and it's like you see them walking around, and you're like, holy crap, that guy is really tall, or something like that. But you know, the general theme I think was everyone's just really cool, really excited to be there, and it was just a lot of fun.
0: Well, and the, the cool thing about that was that wasn't because we're with the league or because we had press access or you guys had press access or anything. That's just because you were wandering around and they were there, right? Yeah. You just, like, met up with these yeah, guys? Yeah, they had, like, a... Just like normal people?
2: We had that Thursday night. We had, like, a, quote, board game reviewers meetup where some of the folks, Jonathan Liu, uh, Rhiannon from Spooning Meeples, uh, Jonathan Bolding from the Escapist magazine, a couple of us just got together at one of the hotel lobbies and just, introduced ourselves talked you know games the con that kind of thing so that was cool and then just from you know hanging out at where were we at the green tables i guess it was we're
1: yeah every night team where everybody kind of just has the open gaming or um over by the blue noodle for the unpub stuff
2: yep it's just easy you just tweet out you know you're at the green tables everyone else is tweeting the same thing and just you know you just find people it's pretty cool
0: So get on the Twitter.
2: Get on the Twitters. Uh,
0: Well, all right. Tiffany, so what do you got for us with awesome things? Don't say hanging out with Dan because I know that wasn't one of them. Oh,
1: no. Not at all. (laughs) Um, Well, I will say, like, this is the first year that I've gone. This is my fourth time, I think, um, that I got to come in on a Thursday. So that was just exciting in itself. Even though it was Thursday night after the hall was closed, I still felt like, You know, I got to have most of the con experience, and I didn't miss out on some of the sold-out things because I had my um, minions picking up games for me during the day. Uh. (laughs) Uh, Kind
2: (laughs) and generous, or uh, warm-hearted minions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So coming in on Thursday and like knowing where I'm going, knowing what I'm doing, knowing who I'm gonna hang out with—that's like something that I'm looking forward to for cons in the future. It was kind of nice. I think this is the first time I really, like, knew what I was doing at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, Second, um, there were just some surprise games that just kind of popped up. Rhino Hero, we already talked about. That was my game of the con. Um, Camel Up was there, and I was excited to just snag that. And then on Sunday, um, in my, like, mad dash as they were closing down the hall, I picked up Micro Monsters, which is, like, advanced tiddlywinks with dice. (laughs) So I'm pretty excited. Just I found some just little things I wasn't expecting, and then my number one thing is just playing games with awesome people. I uh, I stalked down. I mean I I noticed Richard Lanius a couple of times.
0: Stalked. Stalked. I'm
1: not. Let's not use that word. Uh, but yeah, um, I got to play Run, Fight or Die with Richard Lannius and that was one of my goals for the con. Oh, that made me pretty happy.
0: Did you get to play with the painted uh, minis?
1: We didn't play with his painted copy. We play with a regular Damn. standard copy. But I got to touch the painted copy.
0: Uh, well, for anybody who doesn't know, Run, Fight, or Die, Dice Game, Push Your Luck, correct?
1: Yeah, it's it's, a,
0: Richard yeah, it's like
1: Yahtzee-style dice mechanics. You're pushing back a horde of zombie miniatures. It's like everything okay. that those board games all wrapped into one.
0: Yeah, but the best part is that he had this primo painted set that he did himself. Yeah, at the con. But anyway, that was just I was all jazzed about it when I saw pictures. But
1: yep, it was pretty so amazing. Cool.
0: So, hanging out with people, playing games, playing lots of Rhino Hero. Apparently, so
1: much Rhino Hero.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I if you can guess where I was, all of Gen can't. The top things, I still was able to have a lot of fun, mainly because people are so good at producing content via the interwebs and getting it out. So, like, daily vlogs by Weapons Grade and uh, Tiffany from Spooning Meeples. Um, Like, those people were so dedicated to getting their content out that I was able to, like, live Gen Con vicariously through them. And the big people, like, my heroes of Gen Con were Team Covenant, because Team Covenant happened to be doing everything that I wanted to be doing while at Gen Con, and they were filming it, which was awesome. So Team Covenant has a YouTube uh, station where they do all kinds of um, videos, playthroughs, usually with the FFG lines, um, because they're pretty pretty big into LCGs, and they're also big into X-Wing, and now they're going to be big into Armada, Conquest, and Imperial Assault. So I was able to see live playthroughs of all of these games, Right as they hit the table, um, which was cool because I was jazzed about all those games and got to see them. The next awesome thing about Gen Cant, which was us lonely people at home, not at Gen Con, was Star Realms iOS because this game was the hit of Gen Cant. It released like day one when Gen Con went out, maybe a little bit before, um, and. Everyone was like, well, we got nothing else to do, and we're all jealous of people at Gen Con. Let's play some Star Realms iOS. And I even roped Dan into playing it, even though he's not a big deck builder. Um, and now I'm going to challenge Tiffany all the time, because apparently she's terrible at it.
1: <laughs> it's true. So... Howling your stats. One enjoy. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you guys want to challenge me, I'm Cinnamon Buns, spelled like Cinnamon Buns. So you can find me and feel free to challenge me to, uh, to Star Realms on iOS because I will probably lose, but I may do okay and I have a good time playing it. I try to be quick on my responses. Uh, you guys also have names. Do you guys want to open challenges? Oh, dear. No? <laughs> Maybe uh, not.
1: If, if you really want to win.
2: <laughs> I think I'm Dan, L-O-N-G, Dan Long.
1: And I am Tibon, T-I-B-A-H-N. If you Solid. really need to pack your So the stats. Star
2: Realms
0: iOS, which is excellent. Um, but the big winner was Suzanne um, on Twitter. Is she with Board Game Breakfast? I believe. Yes. And uh, the Naked Meeple banded together to help out us uh, their fellow Gen Canters, and they held a contest. A photo contest where you took pictures of you doing things that had nothing to do with Gen Con and basically feeling sorry for yourself because you didn't get to play cool games but they were hilarious Um, and if you go check out the hashtag GenCant2014 or GenCantContest there's a whole host of hilarious pictures of people who were just living out their normal sad days not at the biggest convention in North America and they're fantastic and all kinds of people contributed there was a big giveaway. It already happened. Sorry, you missed it. But there will be a Gen Con 2015, so keep an eye out for that if you can't make it to the convention next year. Um, and that just kept me going because there was this whole community of non-convention goers who still were like all about board games, all about having fun, um, and it was a good time. So that was like my big positive things, even though I didn't get to go see all the new releases and meet fancy designers and hang out with cool people. I still did it via the interwebs, so that was cool. I think that's mostly what we have for this show. Does anybody have any last-minute things that they want to throw about out about Gen Con or different ideas that they want to talk about?
2: Nope. Nope, I'm good.
0: Alright. Um, well, then I guess we'll go ahead and close down the first-ever episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers.
2: Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for episode two, coming soon. If you'd like to connect with us further be sure to find us online at our facebook page our bgg guild and our google plus page all the league of nonsensical gamers you can email us at nonsensicalgamers at gmail.com or find us on twitter with the at league nonsense handle be sure to stay tuned to nonsensicalgamers.com for all the latest news kickstarter previews reviews and blogs
2: play Ticket to Ride.
0: You'd rather play Ticket to Ride but they're completely different but games. But
2: this is a Ticket to
1: Ride pick up and deliver game. It's like it's get those two things together. Same if you're trying to introduce people to, to pick up and deliver, you bring out Cinque not not Ticket to Ride.
0: I guess. It was an excellent easy to play game that you were you were so worked up about going in one direction like any other game has never said you can only do this and you were like why can I only go in one direction? This is why bullshit. you only go
2: left? You can only go left. I don't want to go left. Actually, you can only
0: go right because it was clockwise.
2: Clockwise, yeah. Well, from my angle, I was going left.
0: (laughs) No, you weren't.
2: That doesn't make any sense.
0: Clockwise is clockwise, Dan. It's always right.
2: Yes, but if you start it,
0: nope, nope. It's always right. You're going left. It's always right.